The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck.
I'm Dave Hawkins, and this is The Antidote. I guess I've always been attracted to bands who aren't typical. You know, the ones you'll never hear on Top 40 radio, even if they do have incredible talent. White Collar Sideshow is one of those bands, and they've long been one of my favorites. But I have to admit that when they released their first offering, their 2007 self-titled EP, it just didn't make me a fan. I didn't understand what the band was aiming for. Then 2012 came around and White Collar Sideshow brought out an incredible full-length, The Witch Hunt. Then last fall, the band did it again with I Didn't Come Here to Die. On the surface, their music comes across as dark, but the package's songs come together to deliver a message that does shine a light. Our first track from White Collar Sideshow was Fistful of Grace, the closing track from their latest album. I wanted to hear more about the band's process, and I didn't come here to die, so T.D. Benton and I got together for this talk. T.D. Benton of White Collar Sideshow here on The Antidote. T.D., thanks for coming, man. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. You know, when I first met White Collar Sideshow, you had told me about giving up your home and jobs to live on the road as touring musicians. Is that still the case? <laughs> Very much so. It is still the case. This sounds crazy to me thinking about it, but we started 14 years ago as White Collar Sideshow and started living on the road about 12 years ago. Yeah, I mean, we've got a new vehicle this year. We were down for the last couple of years putting this album and film together, which was something that was really interesting to us because we haven't had that much downtime in a long time. So um, we sold our big rig that we were living in and didn't really have a place to stay. And a friend of ours, he had a construction warehouse uh, down in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and was like, well, I've got a room in the back of this construction warehouse you know, there's bugs and everything else. You have to clean it up, but you guys can put an air mattress there and you can uh, put your equipment back there and, and kind of call that home. And, you know, when you're living on the road, you don't have many things. You got your music equipment and you're already living out of a suitcase. So basically we downsized again and kind of moved into this warehouse where we didn't think we'd be living for very long, but we ended up living on the floor of the warehouse for a year. <laughs> and uh, it was a very challenging moment. You know, you're going, wow, we've been doing this for 14 years, and now we're on the floor of a warehouse. What happens next while we're putting an album together, while we're filming? And it was so hard to kind of see the, you know, the horizon. You know, you're taking all these baby steps, and you're challenged in so many different ways coming off the road. And then putting the project together was, um, man, it was so good to see it completed. And then back on the road after that, got a new vehicle. You know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen our first tour after this album came out. And um, we looked at each other and like, wow, you know, we were born for this. This feels like we're home. So, yes, very much so. We have had a friend in Fort Smith that has um, let us kind of have a home base when we're here. And so we've been able to park our vehicle in the driveway and uh, we've been able to um, kind of have a place to have a headquarters, so to say. And then other than that, yeah, man, we have just been doing it. Evading the police. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the way that we live anyway, that if we're parked on the side of the road, the police aren't coming to those areas anyway. (laughs) (laughs) White Collar Sideshow fits squarely into shock rock. 
with the two of you being Christians, couldn't shock rock be considered a dichotomy with Christian faith? <laughs> oh, man. You know, I've had not really this battle of um, myself in it, but, you know, the way that people view what you do or the way that you are perceived with the style that you are or the box that people want to put you into. You know, there has been a lot of challenges in that. And I think early on, something that I really struggled with was you thought because you were doing something that, that you felt like you were being called to do, that everyone would, was going to love it and everyone was going to get behind it. I never thought that it would split hairs. <laughs> Even being a Christian, I've been called Satan more times doing this <laughs> than I ever did before I became a believer, which is interesting to me. And when I was younger as well, you kind of get a chip on your shoulder. And not that you try to become the persona that everybody thinks you are, but you kind of, well, if that's what you think I am, that's what I'll become. And I think over time, I have come to the realization that, you know, you're not answering to other people. And at the end of the day, if you could learn to love your failures, grow from them, love the unknown and see it as a journey rather than something that's in the way, and then also love what other people think, even if they're pointing a finger at you and really try to show them your heart. There's a lot of people out there that are believers that do things that are not necessarily in a Christian box. And it's not just with Christianity, it's with anything. You know, we call our music shock and roll, but people try to put you in this industrial world or the heavy metal world or the Christian world because it makes it simple for people. I think for us, what you're passionate about comes through your art when I die, I want the Lord to say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Like you didn't hold back because someone thought you should. And I get what you're saying, because the reality is, is that white collar sideshow doesn't fit into a neat little music scene package. Are there difficulties in being unique? Oh man, it's super challenging for us. In a way, I feel like no one really knows what to do with us because it's different. It's unique. At the same time, it always feels like we're on the forefront of something new. And um, none of our albums are ever the same. Uh, as I get older, I find different musical influences and everything else. And then obviously the films, you know, I, I have these crazy ideas and write these film ideas down and, you know, try to figure out how it works into an album. So it's different you know, a lot of things that are out there that are popular, maybe that fit into the machine mold where people can market it and put it here and do this with it. So there are the challenges of where do we fit in? Where do we belong? So that we're just not grinding all the time, that maybe there is an audience out there for us that we can connect with where we're not trying to force ourselves into a place. Can't let those kind of things eat at you even though sometimes they do because you're human, you just have to go, well, here's where we've been. Here's what we've been doing. And what's our next step? It's almost like debriefing after a tour. And how do we keep just moving forward with our creativity and just try to do better than we did on the last project? Maybe that's why we're in this art world is to um, 
to challenge people's thinking or to inspire someone to keep dreaming big, even when there's only, you know, five bucks in the back of your pocket. Like Spiders Weave, 
And I've been learning something about weaving because <laughs> my wife has been spending most of her winter using her loom. Anyway, I'm going to keep tonight's playlist and talk centered on I Didn't Come Here to Die. Next up, TD shares about the album premise along with the track Valley of the Skull. Well, we're here to talk about that music and the album I Didn't Come Here to Die, your release from last October. Now, The Witch Hunt, the previous album, carried the seven deadly sins as a theme. Is there a premise for I Didn't Come Here to Die? Yeah, I Didn't Come Here to Die. A lot of it was based on, you know, life circumstances while putting that album together, coming off the road, forgetting how to be a civilian, um, trying to not fall apart while you're home you know, looking for the people around you, completely falling apart, calling to ask for forgiveness, um, getting back on your feet again, moving forward through different circumstances in life. And then also, you know, we've been on the road for 11 years. I need to flush the toilets of my thoughts, you know, going into... (laughs) And hopefully it's not plugged up plumbing. Right. I mean, right. So, you know, you're doing something for so long and you come back home and it's like, wow, I forgot how to be a human being. I forgot who my friends are, who my family is. I've, I've forgotten how to have focus and clarity. And then going into therapy and going through different processes of life going, man, what am I doing here? How did I get to this point? And, you know, even feeling suicidal and depressed, you know, And then your failures, the failures that you make when you're struggling in life, um, trying not to go back into being a person that you once were and having to learn from that and being humiliated by that so you can get back on your feet. You know, those things are super challenging. So I didn't come here to die. A lot of the premise was basically not letting your past define you, trying not to let it haunt you, trying to learn from that. But also going, okay, here's where I've been. Here's where I am now. How can I become this person, the person that I want to be, my true identity through this process? And that's what we tried to do with this album is kind of take you on a concept, so to say, of, you know, this valley of the skull. Here's the songs where I'm in the present. Here's the songs about who I used to be. Here's the songs where I am back now while I've got my mind focused and clear. And here's the songs of freedom. And, you know, The Witch Hunt was definitely written in a super dark place. It was written after my brother was killed. And um, and so, you know, it was based on the seven deadly sins. But the underlining thought of that, too, was it was based on, you know, loneliness, depression, suicide. The things you go through when you're dealing with a tragedy where I didn't come here to die was written in a place of, I went through a lot of stuff and I came out finding freedom and redemption and a clear mind again. The reason we titled it, I didn't come here to die is because we didn't come here to die. We came here to live. And I feel like that this is probably one of the best albums of focus and clarity that I have ever written. You know, I speak with a lot of artists who talk about being honest in their music. You go way beyond that. Because here you are discussing about your therapy, the concerns, the issues that you've had. Most people put that into a little box and they stick it in the back of the closet. But here you are opening it up for us. <laughs> well, I, you know, that, that was something that had changed my life. Coming back home, I had struggled with a lot of things. 
I got back into a 12-step program with people that you can confide in that have made the same mistakes that you can grow with, that you can be honest with. And that has been one of the most tremendous, helpful things I've been a part of in my life. And then also going to a therapist has been just something that has been a game changer. And, um, you know, it is transparent, it is honest, but at the same time, I feel like I want people to realize that, man, there's no shame in that. The hard part is having the shame and guilt from the mistakes you've made. But when you can go somewhere and kind of throw up on somebody, everything that you've been consumed with, then you want to talk about flushing the toilet of your thoughts. That is one of the greatest ways to do that. And you walk out light as a feather and you're able to not let the past define you or haunt you. I mean, you realize where you came from, but then you're able to go, you know what? Now I can take a step forward. And sometimes it's just those baby steps, but maybe that can lead into something where that story becomes a story for someone else to realize they're not alone on the planet too.
I want to get into some of the music. I was surprised to find a cover of The Doors on the album. I dug up a quote from Morrison speaking about Break On Through to the Other Side. He said, I'm interested in anything about revolt, disorder, chaos, especially activity that seems to have no meaning. Now, I'm guessing that those aren't your intentions. So what was your reason for picking that song? I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) Simple as that. (laughs) Well, my biological father, I didn't meet him until I was 12. He did three tours in Vietnam. He was a medic in Vietnam. And when I did meet him, even as a kid, I was into music. I grew up in the 80s. So a lot of hair metal, your Motley Crues and and your Metallicas and, and, and a lot of that genre. My biological father would pick me up and we'd have these conversations and uh, I became obsessed with Vietnam. Around that time was also when the movie Platoon kind of came out. Okay. So it kind of gave me a little insight into a lot of the stories that he would tell me. But also, he loved the band The Doors. And so as a kid, he would tell me these stories about Jim Morrison and The Doors. And, you know, when you're a kid, and this is someone that you don't see all the time, I guess maybe in a way I was mesmerized by these things that he was telling me. And, you know, you'd go to the library or bookstores and you'd see, I'd be like, oh, man, there's Jim Morrison. That's who he's talking about, you know. And I feel like from an early age, I was intrigued by the Doors. When I was in high school, a buddy of mine got me a few Doors albums. And and then I just became what you'd call obsessed, I guess. I just love the music and I love the poetry. And I know a lot of Morrison. I know a lot of that was his mentality. He was very much that quote, <laughs> you know, and that he lived that way. But that song has been one of my all-time favorite door songs. And I used to kind of live and breathe that song myself, especially before I was a believer. And I used to see rock and roll in that way. We used the music to break on through, you know, I was doing a lot of drugs and a lot of things back then, just thinking that that was what you would do for rock and roll. I mean, that was that's how your heroes live their life. But I really wanted to do kind of this mashup industrial country mix of Break On Through. But that song has a little bit more of a different meaning to me now. For me, it means break on through the things that you've been consumed by or struggling with or break on through to a different level, whatever it is that's holding you back. And that's kind of how I've used the song for this album, especially in in the film that that plays along behind us, it becomes the moment where the heroine comes out of the person that she used to be and she breaks on through to go, you know what? I'm through with this past. I'm moving forward. I'm going to be a champion. I want that to be to the good Lord. I know that he's changed my life, but also I know that sometimes it takes baby steps and maybe that song can be just a baby step for someone to see something that they've never seen before in a different perspective or in a different way or with different perception. I would hope if Jim was alive today, he would say, wow, they took that song and they did their own artistic approach. And that's what art should be, is not just trying to do a cheap imitation of someone else, but trying to approach it in a way where it's creative and it's unique. I'm T.D. Benton from White Collar Sideshow, and you've got the antidote.
destroys the night Night divides the day We tried to run We tried to hide Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side Like T.D. said, it would have been interesting to hear what Jim Morrison would have thought about the white-collar sideshow version of Break On Through to the Other Side. I mean, it's so different from the original. This band never seems to lack ideas or creativity. You'll hear about that from T.D. Benton and the disturbingly titled Hug Me or Hang Me. This album is unique compared to your others. 
I mean, this is your third release since 2007. Each release has had a different music style. Is this change inevitable, or is it actually something that you plan? (laughs) You know, that is a great question. (laughs) I feel like when I was writing in Brazil, you know, we were down there for, I think, six weeks. It was like, wow, I'm here with the computer. I haven't written anything in a while. Maybe there's opportunity here being influenced by a different country. I was being influenced by some old bands that I was into, Sepultura. You know, they're from Brazil. Sure. Um, old school metal band that I was into, still influenced by a lot of these old metal bands. Um, but also it made me think like, it's not just metal that I'm into. I listen to a lot of old country. I love Willie, Waylon, Johnny. You know, I love Hank. The third is probably one of my biggest influences. I went to one of his shows a few years ago, and it just super inspired me where he's doing this outlaw country. Then he's also doing a metal band and then the psychobilly band all in the same night. And he's the singer for all these different styles and bringing all these different people. And I was like, wow, why can't I mesh together a lot of different influences that that I have? Why am I just writing this one industrial genre? Why can't I put banjos and mandolins and things into something that I love? And so it really caused me to write in a different way where I was like, you know what? Here's all this heavier stuff and industrial stuff for a foundation. Now let me try to figure out how to put a country twist on it where there's a hook and everything, where there's this and that. And did all that. And then I also had a guitar player from Fort Smith, a really good friend of mine named Tom Ware, an exceptional musician. Um, I had all of these loops that I would use to write. And he would play these instruments with real instruments, and then we would smash loops and put his twist together where he did like Warlitzer's uh, slide guitars, mandolin and banjo and, and different acoustic guitar parts. And then we would kind of cut and paste him all over the album instead of just this computerized version. It really gave it more of an authentic kind of bluegrassy feel, taking all of those different influences really helped me to put the album together in a way that I feel like is unique and something that we haven't done. And it really stretched me personally, even as a singer. Um, But then adding Veronica in on the vocals was just the icing on the cake. It's really about getting back to the heart of everything that's influenced you. You two seem to just be able to have this abundant flow of ideas. Because it's not just the recording that you do, you also create a film to go in conjunction with the recording itself. So, like, you guys don't mind being overwhelmed? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we shot ourselves in the foot on the first album. (laughs) You know, not just putting a film to it, but a lot of people don't realize how much it takes to film something, the time, the editing. You know, it took us almost two and a half years to film this album That's not to say we couldn't probably have done it in a year, but we just didn't have the money to buy our film and editor time. When he had days off, we had to spend the money and go, hey, you got this day off, can we do this? And then we're in LA recording, we're back and forth so much. You know, if we had 50 grand up front, like, cool, we could pay for the block of time that we have. That's not how we roll. We don't have those kind of funds. You know, we live off of people's love and donations and we never charge for shows like we don't do contracts or guarantees. Uh, if we do a fundraiser, everything we make just goes back into what we do. I don't want to say that we're not living on it. We live. Um, 
my wife is a really good manager. She knows how to stretch a dollar. And that's how we really live is stretching our dollars. And so whatever funds we have, it's all put into what's happening next to keep us on the road and, and to keep us busy. So we decided, hey, let's do a green screen. We had this five-star productions in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Let us paint this huge white room green. And uh, Mike Hart, our, our film guy, Travis Joyner, they, they work there. Just volunteer. Come in here and do this. Use the equipment that we have. You can't imagine the budget that that would be if it wasn't donated. And we brought vehicles in and motorcycles in. And we had volunteers from Fort Smith and different places that wanted to be a part of the film that came down and volunteered their time to be actors. Veronica and I became the main actors in the film, which we weren't intentionally wanting to do that, but we became that, which actually worked out to our advantage because it works better with the film and the live show more than we ever thought it would. It just brings it into more of a personal level. And so through that process, two and a half years, we were able to finish almost like right in time for our first live show.
you know, I think that film aspect also comes through in your music. Now, I might be totally out to lunch, but Bring Out Your Dead reminds me of a couple of movies. You've got the line, I'm melting, which reminds me of The Witch and The Wizard of Oz. And then, of course, Bring Out Your Dead takes me to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So is there really a connection, or am I just totally out to lunch? No, you're right. I mean, of course, Monty Python comes to mind. That phrase has always been like, to me, like, bring out your dead, you know. Um, and then I got to thinking, man, that's a great song for, like, zombies coming out. Like, bring out your dead. And um, I'm melting, I'm melting. You know, we almost tried to figure out a way to put that maybe from the Wizard of Oz in there. But then our producer is going, you know, but the thing is, do you want people to think of the Wizard of Oz when they hear this song? And that happens probably regardless for people, especially that grew up on the Wizard of Oz. But even in songs like Pig in the Middle, the closest thing to the flesh of a man is the flesh of a pig. Um, that's a paraphrase from the movie The Gangs of New York. Like, I've watched a lot of movies with subtitles, and um, and I'll see a phrase on a subtitle, and I'm like, wow, that'd be a great chorus. You know, taking these little film snippets and using it. And a lot of times, if people know those films, they'll be like, oh yeah, that came from that film. You know, Eye for an Eye Makes the Whole World Go Blind is is a paraphrase of a Gandhi quote. You know, I, I got a little flack for that at some point in time. And it's like, dude, that statement is genius, it regardless is. of who said it. I mean, that that's a statement that needs to be said, and maybe in a different way. Maybe this approach might cause someone to hear it in a different perspective and go, wow, that's true. So, you know, there's so many things with the film aspect maybe someone they hear it and then maybe they see something that goes i get it i get what they're trying to do or it might speak something different to them than it actually spoke to me while i was writing it and that's what i want these films to do is for people to walk away going wow that meant something to me
Bring Out Your Dead from White Collar Sideshows, I Didn't Come Here to Die. No question that the band has great music, but you really have no idea what this band is all about until you've seen one of their shows. It's unreal. Their film plays on a screen behind the band, synced to the set list. White Collar Sideshow does one of the best shows I've ever seen. There's more great music coming next week. The Antidote has a split feature with two bands. West of Here is making a big impact on the Christian music scene in Canada. And two of the band members will join me for a chat. Then during the second half hour, we'll hear from the awesome post-rock band Dens as they share about their just-released album, Taming Tongues. Well, there is more to come from T.D. Benton about the title song from I Didn't Come Here to Die, so let's get at it. Thanks for tuning in The Antidote, and I'll see you again next week. We need to speak about the title track, I Didn't Come Here to Die. The song sort of hints at a Civil War battle, and the lyrics also say, Because it's God's face that I fear. It could be discipline that I need when my head's wrapped blue and gray. I want to fight my dirty deeds and Jezebel's the name I will slay. So what's the story? Is Jezebel alive and well in the United States? (laughs) Well, you know, I think that um, that story for me sums up a lot of life on the road. When you're on the journey, you, you feel like, man, I'm, I've got this total freedom. We're on the road. This is what I was born to do. Coming back home, you start to struggle again. Like I said earlier, like we were on the road for 11 years. I had forgotten how to just be a civilian. When you come home, you're like, okay, who am I? Like, who am I as a human being? I don't know without being on the road playing music. You know, no one's really close to you. No one really knows your absolute struggles that you're struggling with. So it is like the civil war battle between who are you and what's your real identity coming home. The challenge of it was what is it that I'm here to do? Because we would come home and, you know, I'd start drinking all over again, hurt some family and friends through that process. That's not the person who I want to be. That was part of that battle of going through that. You know, you come home and, you like, man, I see the devil's fingernail on top of Fort Smith. Well, a lot of people interpret that in a weird way. The devil's fingernail is the slit of the moon. And that's a southern thing that we always say, hey, it's the devil's fingernail. Like when you see the moon, when it's that really light slit. Now and, uh, I understand. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote that phrase, like driving back into Fort Smith, it was just this bright devil's fingernail just out in the sky. My head's wrapped blue and gray. The battle of who you are, who you want to be, who you're becoming, um, falling apart, getting back up. Right. So all of that, it is discipline that I need. You know, my routines, being on the road, staying focused, staying clear, coming back home, all my routines were gone. Like, didn't have any discipline. But that's not just for my life. I feel like a lot of people can identify with that. You know, that's been the hardest part is my identity through this whole process. Who am I in this? And I feel like identity is a word that a lot of people can be challenged with because I feel like identity is something where you'll say, who are you? And someone will say, well, I'm a teacher or I'm a doctor or, or I'm a drummer. 
And that, that's what you do. That's not your identity, your career, or your job. You're identified by that a lot of times. But I think for me, my identity through this process right now is, I think the last few years has been the search for finding in myself love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think fruit of the Spirit is something that I really want to be identified by. Even though I've had some failures and mistakes in this, I can get back to that. You know, those are things that you can hand down for generations. And those are things that are something that a legacy can be built on. Do you want to be remembered for your music and and your art and your creativity and all these things? Well, selfishly, who doesn't want their footprint in rock and roll history, right? I mean, how did we even get into this in the first place? But legacy is a different story. And I feel like Fruit of the Spirit is something that if I can just become that, a living, breathing example of that, even through my mistakes, even through my failures, I feel like that's something that I personally would want to be remembered by, to be able to encourage someone with that, you know, as a tool. TD, thanks for taking time for the antidote, and it's been great having a chance to speak with you again. Dave, I super appreciate you having me on, and it's great to talk to you again. Man, thanks for getting behind what we do, and uh, I'm just super grateful. Thank you. Let me ask you a question. A very serious question. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?
top of my boy Smith. I didn't come in to 